just joining us for the first time, or maybe you haven't been here in a few weeks, we are in a series called Twisted. This series of videos is, is really, if, if you are a little old school, there was a book written by C.S. Lewis called The Screwtape Letters. Has anybody ever seen or heard of that book, The Screwtape Letters? It's old school. It's a fascinating book. C.S. Lewis was probably the greatest uh, Christian author of his time, and he wrote this book. And it was the idea of, of what would a, one demon say to another demon if he was trying to get this guy to mess with human being. And, and it was just brilliant. And so this is a spin and a modern day spin on the screw tape letters. And basically you have these people. And, and this video might be one of the most uh, revealing videos in terms of the, the, the four that we've seen. And so today we will wrap up the idea of twisted. And the idea of twisted really goes to this. Is that the world that you see is not exactly what it appears to be that there's a seen world, but there's also an unseen world. There's something on the top level. There's something on the surface there, but there's also something behind it. Jesus said that there was a being or an entity. He referred to him as the devil. There were uh, uh, apostles that referred, referred to a spiritual realm where angels and demons existed and that this unseen world somehow we don't know exactly how or to what extent, but somehow influenced the world that we see. And we do know certain things. And we know that the, in essence, the, the way that the devil operates is not through force of power. That's why if you ever hear anybody say something like, well, the devil made me do it. That's just dumb. The devil has never made anybody do anything. He maybe set a trap. He maybe asked a question. He may be influenced. He may be deceived. But that's the way that he operates is through the art of deceptions, the art of the lie. That's why Jesus said that Satan was the father of all lies. And so here's the twist is that many times you and I buy into and believe in certain things in our world and our culture and we just accept them as is. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about because before you ever met Jesus or before you had the, ever read the Bible, before a light bulb ever you know, clicked on top of your head as a cartoon character, before you ever had that experience, you just assumed and accepted certain things as normal. Well, that's just the way that it is, right? I mean, well, that's what I always taught. That's what mama said. That's what my science teacher told me. That's just, and we assume and accept certain things. And all of a sudden, God comes along and it's like he lifts the wool up over our eyes and he exposes the light into the dark places and we begin to see things that we did not see before. This is God bringing truth where the enemy brings a twist. And obviously you'll see where we're going today. There's a twist that we have that so saturates our culture. And it's the idea that when it comes to sex, that, well, it's just physical. That's just the way. It's, it's an activity. It's just something you do and everybody's doing it. And this is how you ought to do it. And there's five ways to do it this way. And there's seven ways to do it that way. And there's, it's just, it's saturated every, and, and guess what? If you notice every TV show that you watch or every movie that you see, there is an assumed normality to this type of lifestyle. They don't have to come out and say it. It's just assumed. As a matter of fact, because those of you who are old enough and you will go back in time, you will remember that there were certain groundbreaking TV shows that put men and women that were married in the same bed on a TV show. How many remember that? Remember old school I Love Lucy? They, they were in two separate my grandparents <laughs> slept in two separate beds. And so, so yeah, there was, and, 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 and people can look back and say, well, that, that stuff's just prudish and that stuff's just, and, and, and people have evolved. And people, I would say, have we? Ha, have we really evolved? Or maybe have we deteriorated to a certain degree? Because while there might be a certain level more of freedom, there's certainly also a higher level of destruction. So today we will talk about the twist. Well, it's just 
physical. Now, let me tell you this. I was a youth pastor for 10 years, so I like talking about sex. I enjoy it. Wait a minute. That came out wrong. Um, okay, that's true, too. But um, I, I enjoy talking about it because when you're a youth pastor and you have nothing but raging hormones in your seats, then you need to talk about it. A lot. And so every year we were talking about it. And I don't know that I talk about it that often here at, you know, at New Beginnings on a Sunday morning. And so, um, you know, but I, I do enjoy it. I, I used to do entire series. I did series that I can't believe my pastor let me do. I did a series called 21 Days of Sex. And I thought, why did he let me title it that? That sounds awful. And, and, and I did a series called Sex, Truth, and Lies. And, and I have these illustrations. I don't know if you've ever seen this. How many of you grew up in a youth group or had a youth pastor or anybody? Probably some of you. Okay. You don't want to own that or, you know, whatever. Like, oh, I didn't like him. So, um, you know, you had this thing where it was like a Coke bottle and it was it was a warm Coke bottle. And then you took some drink of it and then you started passing it around the room. And <laughs> and then by the end, it's just it's just kind of like backwash and floaties and it's not even it's not even considered Coca-Cola anymore. And so and then and then you're like, how many of y'all would like some of that? Well, you know, this is what happens. When it's, I, I, I enjoy talking about this subject. Now, I'm going to tell you a problem that I ran into that I figured out how to fix. And it was because science moved forward a little bit. Um, I used to always tell kids now. Now, you already know where I'm going here because you're like, well, yeah, he's the preacher. He's the Bible guy. What else is he going to say about sex? So I used to tell kids not to have sex before marriage, to, to, to preserve their purity. And so I would tell them, and then, you know, with kids, you would just warn them. You would be like, hey, there, there's, there's diseases everywhere. And if you look and track the physical side effects that, that we have now to, to that level of sexual activity, like, it's, it's so much greater than it used to be in terms of, like, the number of sexually transmitted diseases 50 years ago to where they're at now. It's, it's incredible how it's morphed. And so you can just scare the bejesus out of kids and be like, you don't want to get that, and you don't want to get that. And you don't want to get And you would talk about teen pregnancy, and then you would talk about the, the, the you know, kind of the, 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 the effects that that's going to have on your life. And she would have this physical component because sex is physical, right? Yeah, it's physical. But it's, it's not only physical, because we're going to see in just a minute, there's a spiritual element to it, too. There, there's also a psychological element that I discovered just in, in kind of probably the last year. It was somebody who was able to articulate from a scientific standpoint why physical touch is so, so, so important inside of a relationship and how when you introduce physical touch into a relationship that it basically it becomes a destructive thing. And this is what they go on to explain. They begin to break down the, the, the neurological, chemical side effects to physical touch. Now, I'm going to give you the brief version, not the, not the medical document version that, that I read. But in essence, it works like this. There is a drug that is released inside of your body, a, a chemical called oxytocin that is released inside of your body. Now, many women may have heard of that because of pregnancy. That's, a, that's Sometimes they induce pregnancy that way. Oxytocin is a drug that your body produces and releases inside of your body. If you study this on your own, this is what you'll find. It's referred to as the trust drug. Because what it does is, is it takes down any barriers that you might have to trust. It, it, it basically brings down the barriers that you have towards skepticism. And, and it allows you to open up to another human being. The reason why it happens in childbirth is because uh, when, when you have a newborn, and especially when you start nursing or you have that early, why do you think you have that bond with your child, ladies? Is because your body is being rushed and flooded with oxytocin. And so your body is producing this stuff every time you engage in physical touch. Now, here's something else interesting. When you are a young lady, because of your hormone level, you have super high levels of oxytocin released. That's why when you were a young girl, or if you are young out there, listen to me. When you engage in any type of physical touch, starting at the lowest levels of hand-holding and hugging and then moving forward up and progressing, your body's releasing this stuff. And because of your age, it, it, it's magnifying it. 
Interestingly enough, in young boys, because of their testosterone level, it deadens the effect or lessens the effect. So, so think about high school kids. You've got these girls who, oh my gosh, you touched my hand. Oh, we're in love. And, <laughs> and you, have a, you, have, you have a guy who is thinking the exact same opposite. And so, um, so, so but now as, as we progress and we get older, those levels come down for girls or go up for girls and the boys come down and, and it begins to neutralize. But the, the overall effect is this. And you can see the genius of God in it. I'll get in there in just a second. But what happens is this. Let me bring it home. Have you ever had a friend that was dating a dude and you were like, what in the world does she see in him? Why are they? Why would she date him? You ever wonder why? Because when oxytocin is released in your body, it convinces you that there is something there when there really is not much there. It, it, it deadens your ability to be objective. It's like alcohol, right? Okay. So it, it deadens your ability. To be so, so you see these people get together and you're like, why would they be together? And this is why, this is why married couples struggle so much, maybe in the early years or in that first seven year hunt there, is because what happens is, is while you were dating, you were convinced that there was magic. And you are convinced no one has loved like we love. And you're convinced of all these things. And then you get married and you're like, well, this doesn't seem like, yeah, he's not who I thought he was. I don't even think I like her. Why? Because now you figured out that you were, bl- this is what we call, ever heard of the phrase rose-colored glasses? You put on them rose-colored glasses. Everything looks so amazing and wonderful and he was so dreamy. Yeah, but he was 40 and he lived in his mom's basement and, and he didn't have a job. No, no, no. Rose-colored glasses, and that might be the extreme version of it, but you've got some mild... You're flowing with me now. You've seen it. You, many of you are going back into your own history bank and be like, mm-hmm, that's why I did crap. And, and so... Now, here's the genius of God, though. Think about this. Think about if you did it God's way and you reserve physical touch for marriage. This is the beauty of it. Is that, and this is God's blueprint for marriage and dating anyway. Is that you would enter into a relationship for the purpose of, in, of developing an incredible friendship built on belief and shared values and commonality. And again, a connectedness through friendship. And you really thought they were hot and wanted to you know, have sex with them. And so if you can build a relationship early on that's built on those things, then if you get married and introduce physical touch, because how many know, even if you're great for each other, nobody's perfect. Can I get a, can I get a what, what? Okay. So, so nobody's perfect for each other. So the idea that, that I believe that God instituted was, is, hey, I want people to do it my way and I want them to build a, a relationship based on commonality, commonality values and friendship. Then when they get together and they're still not perfect, I want them to engage in the highest levels of intimacy. And that way, even though they are still imperfect, these rose colored glasses will go on and so that they will see their wife as the most perfect thing in the world, even though she's not. And she will see her husband as the most perfect thing in the world, even though he definitely is not. Do you see how that would make for a blissful marriage? If you had a great relationship built on things that were so crucial to the foundation of a relationship, then once you entered in that highest level, everything else was blurred out anyway. You know what that would make? An incredible marriage. And so you can see that there's a, a physical side effect and component to having sex outside of marriage. There are psychological effects. There are spiritual effects. We'll talk about this in just a minute. But let's be honest. 
doing it this way just makes common sense. See, there's a lie out there, and it might go something like this. Well, like, you wouldn't buy a car before you took it for a test drive. And, and, and that again, that's the spin, that, that's the twist, that's the lie that we buy into. But here's what you have to ask, because here's what I get into. Remember I said I was a youth pastor for 10 years? Well, like for the last, I don't know how many years now, I've been an adult pastor. Okay, so, and what I run into is, I run into people who are now in their 30s, in their 40s, maybe they're divorced and they moved into a second relationship and are on the brink of getting married again, or their fifth one, or whatever the case may be. And, and this is what I get from adults. They get to, they get to hearing something about the idea of leaving sex out, or, or, or leaving sex for inside of marriage only, and then they have this look of like, well, like, that's for teenagers, right? I mean, that's for like young people. I mean, like, I'm beyond that, Todd. I'm pretty experienced here. And, 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 and I, that, that's for, that's for young people, right? 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 No. It's not. The Bible never gives this, well, it's for teenagers or young people. No, no, it's for all people. And, and, and here's why we know this. And I'll just ask the most simple question in the world. This doesn't have to have a Bible verse. This is so common sense. Here's the question I would ask. Has having sex outside of marriage made your life more complicated? Or has it made it better? And when you just come to a common sense answer, what you find is, is that it seems that it always makes life just a little bit more complicated. Because here's what I've never heard. I've never heard two people who really were loving God, had a great marriage, and their regret was this. You know what my problem was? I didn't have enough sex as a kid. That's my problem. That's why my life is not satisfied. I did not have enough sex. That's what my problem was. I never had that. Why? Because again, here's the, here's the twist. Let me just put it in plain terms here. The twist is this. It's just physical. And as long as it's an activity, as long as there's, there's, there's benefits, as long as it's just, well, we love each other and there's all the spin, there's all the twist. As long as you do this, there will be physical consequences, there will be psychological consequences, there will even be spiritual consequences. But the truth is this. The truth is real simple, is that purity paves the way to intimacy. This is the spiritual truth. That if we actually, because what did Jesus say? Jesus said that there's a father of lies and he operates in the world of deception. But the people who are my disciples, they will know the truth and the truth will what? See, this is what sets you free. This, that just complicates life. That just leads to a world of hurt. Because you've got your own story, don't you? Don't you have your own story of how doing this and thinking this way led to hurt, led to heartache, led to complication, led to drama? But I mean, like in your own personal life, think about the hurt, think about the pain, think about the different, uh, uh, think, hey, let's just do this. Think about the level of crime that's associated with this lie. Think about all the crimes that take place, and I would dare to say that the majority of them are involved with this right here. Like there's some level of abuse, there's some level of, of sexuality to the crimes that we commit, whether it's the rape, whether it's the molestation. Do you know, I don't know if you heard this report, there was a report that came out just two weeks ago, and I don't even remember the numbers, but it was how many people were busted inside of a sex trafficking ring. Because why? Because why? It's just physical. And this twist begins to dumb down all of our senses to where now we can take another human being and treat them like a slave for the purpose of abusing them sexually. I mean, no, that's a twist. And it is destroying us. It is not helping us. The idea of the 60s was there needed to be a sexual freedom. And all it did was put more people into bondage, didn't it? And so 
you know, here, here's the question I would say. In light of all this, if you were a loving God, if you were a loving Heavenly Father, what would you say to your kids? What would you say? I'll tell you what he says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 18. The Bible says, flee sexual immorality. That's what God would say. God would say, no, 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 just run. Don't engage in this. Flee. Get away from it. At whatever, like flee. Run. Get out of there. There's, there's too much at stake here. Now, here's, here's what I need you to know, and I need to back this up because this, there's a problem inside of the church. Are you guys all flowing with me? Are we still alive and well? Okay. Uh, y'all either bored or convicted. And I don't, maybe both. Okay. Here's the deal. There's a bad rap inside of church that I'm going to correct on the heels of this statement. Because I, I read an article the other day, and it was a Christian girl who said, I wish I had had sex before marriage, and here's why. Which absolutely intrigued me, because I thought that sounds like the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But she went on to ex- explain and describe how the church that she grow up, grew up in made sex seem like it was a dirty thing that you shouldn't engage in. And she goes, so I saved myself for marriage, but then when I had sex with my husband, I actually felt like I was doing something shameful. Okay, let me help you real quick here. God is the one who came up with sex. This was awesome. It is awesome. It's, it's fantastic. It's great. As a matter of fact, by Genesis chapter 2, the second chapter of the Bible, God's talking about sex because he knew you put two naked people in the garden, they're going to figure it out quick. So... I just, there's something about it, okay? I want you to know that, that there's, there's a, let, let's put it into three different categories. There's three different ways that we typically look at sex depending on what our worldview is and where we come from. If you come from a non-Christian worldview and you are inundated with all the messages and all the twists of this world, you see sex as the ultimate thing, right? Like sex is something that you ought to have, pursue, it's, it's awesome. I, and many people, do you know that the number one growing addiction among psychology circles is sexual addiction? Like, that's the number one growing one. Why? We are overly exposed to it to a point where it has become destructive to us. They have made sex the ultimate thing. They have made it God. But it's not God. Sex is not God. Can I get an amen? Like sex is not, is, is a thing. Okay, here's the problem that the church had. So the world went to the one extreme of making sex a God. The church went to the extreme of making sex gross. Hey, sex is not gross. It's awesome. Here's what the Bible actually teaches. And so I don't want anybody in this place to ever walk out and think, my pastor made me think sex was gross. No, no, no. The Bible teaches that sex is a gift from God for the purpose of creating intimacy between two people. It's awesome. It's a gift. Now, how many of you know, though, that when you take it outside of God's intended purpose that we end up with mess? But you need to know, like, this is what God... Now, let, let, me, let me put it in these terms. Sex is kind of like a fire. Does that make sense? How many know fire, fire good? You know, we, we get... Fire good. Um, fire is awesome. How, how many love s'mores? S'mores. Oh, my God, you've got to have fire. So, so have you ever done this? Because I did this with my... It was, it was a while back. Remember we were on the beach, and we were doing the s'more thing, and we were like, s'more lady. And Tara Lee had all the s'more stuff. We called her s'more lady. And, and, but how many know that kids don't have the ability to manage fire. Wise people have the ability to manage fire. Other people are pyromaniacs. Okay, control yourself. Um, 
So, Because what you'll do is this. It's like a fire inside of a fire pit, inside of its proper parameters and boundaries, is an incredibly powerful thing. But if you take fire, because this is what kids do. Kids will take their s'more and their thing and they'll start whipping it. You ever notice how kids, they get that little marshmallow on the end of that thing and it catches on fire. And they're like, what do I got to And then somebody gets hit. Okay, if you're out camping and you got the fire and then all of a sudden some kids like, look, I have a torch and they start running through the fire or they start running through the forest. How many know you've got problems? Fire good. Okay, fire good inside of parameters and boundaries. Does that make sense? It's just like a car. Cars are fantastic. You don't drive them through through preschools. You don't drive them through playgrounds. That's why we have roads. Certain things are fantastic and brilliant and amazing. When they are inside of the correct parameters and boundaries that they were intended to be in. That's what sex is. Sex is fantastic. It is a gift for the purpose of building intimacy, but it must have some type of boundary. And so God said, let's not get crazy with this thing. Because if you start taking sex like a fire and you start just running around everywhere with that thing, you're going to get really, really destructive. So he, what would you say? What would you say to your kids if they were running through the, through the woods with the torch? Stop it. You're going to burn everything down. What would a loving father say to something that was so incredibly beautiful but had the potential to be taken outside of its boundaries and become destructive? What would you tell? If you were a loving God, if you were a loving father, you would say flee sexual immorality. I haven't even gotten past four words. Um, let's define this real quick here because I, I need to be careful because a, a lot of you, depending on what your worldview is, is, is you don't know what sexual immorality is. You think it's the extreme stuff, but here's, here's what sexual immorality is, according to the Bible. It's any type of sex taken outside of the context of marriage. That's what it is. Because many of us, we want to kick back and be like, oh, well, no, 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 we're, we're, we're consenting adults. Well, no, 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 but we're in love. Well, no, 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 I mean, I've been married three times, trust me, it's not, not a big deal anymore. And so you, you have all these ways of excusing. I, I'm telling you. This is for everybody. Flee sexual immorality. Let's keep reading. He says something so incredibly powerful here that many of you maybe have never heard before. and You need to get this. This is what it says. Because, in essence, would be the follow-up. Because all other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. I I I want you to get this. Paul puts sexual sin in a category all on its own. Did Did you notice that? Like, there's some awful sins, right? I mean, there's some awful evil. There's some bad stuff in the world. There's some wicked things that people do. He goes, all of that is uniquely different, and it would be, there's all other sins, and then there's this kind of sin. There's two categories, because there's something unique. Have you ever noticed how the the, the things that you engaged with sexually stayed with you differently than any other sin? You, You carried it with you. You had memories that you couldn't shake. You had ghosts. <laughs> you had skeletons. You had, you had some baggage when it came to this stuff. Different than other sins. We know this is true because if you were ever sinned against, if you were ever abused sexually, that's not even your sin. That was somebody else's sin that was put on you, but it still carries with you, doesn't it? There's something about it. And he said, so in light of that, be so careful and so cautious. This is meant to be a beautiful thing, but because of the enemy and because of deception, because of the twist... We have now entered into a realm where there is possible destruction. So he said, flee sexual immorality. It's different than all other sins. And you got to remember who he's talking to. He's talking to a people. This comes from the book of Corinthians. And if you know Bible history, Corinth was a port city in Greece. Which is mean. This is crazy. 
Greece is still crazy, I think. I've never been there, but I hear stories about people. But like back then, it was a free-for-all sexually. I mean, an absolute. they used to have a temple where you would go and worship. And in what was called the fornex, that's how you would worship the God, is to engage with sexual activity with a prostitute. What? As a matter of fact, it was called the fornex, which is where we got the word fornication from, which is the way we said sexual immorality in a different way. And so, like, these people had no clue. They're like, what? You mean I can't? I mean, that wasn't nothing. That was just physical. That wasn't nothing. No, no, no. He goes, it's more than that. There's something so much deeper. And here, here's how he explains it. Go back to verse number 15 now. The Bible says, do you not know, which they didn't, <laughs> which we, we don't, most of us. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one, wait a minute, is one with her in body? Well, that's just strange. I mean, that was just physical. He goes, no, there's something beyond that. Sexual sin's different than all other sin. There's, there's, there, there's something going on there. He said, you united. Oh, I didn't unite. It was just physical. It was some activities. It was benefits, you know. It was, and he goes, no, no, you united. The Greek word literally means you glued yourself together. And you're like, whoa, 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 we did definitely not glue anything. That was, that's bad. I want to be glued to that. He goes, but it happened. And he said, and I'll tell you why. And he goes back and he quotes a scripture from the book of Genesis. This is Genesis 2. For the two will become one flesh. Isn't that what took place with the very first married couple, Adam and Eve, that the two became one? He said, you need to be aware that when you engage in sex outside of marriage, that there's a oneness that happens. There's a uniting that happens. There's a glue that takes place. And you can't, here, here's, here's the problem. You can't unone when you won. Does that make sense? That's why it seems to linger in the brain and in the emotion and the memory bank and all the baggage is loaded with it. And so he's saying, in light of that, be flee sexual immorality. So let's keep reading. So do you not know, verse 15, that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall that I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in her body? For it is said, the two shall become what? One flesh. Therefore, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. He said, this is the answer that I want to give you. It's just flee. So today, if you're out there, and this is the walk away for all of us today, in light of all that we've talked about. We all have our stories. We all have our struggles. We would all have to admit that, that, that sex outside of marriage has done way more to complicate our life and much, much less to better our life. That there were certain things that were going on that became destructive. We all have our own stories if you have that kind of past. And if you are in here today, here's what I want you, especially if you're young and you haven't crossed those lines, listen to me. This is the word I want you to remember. It's the word flee. Just Avoid it. Stay away from it. Not because it's dirty. No, no, no. Not because it's a shameful thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a gift to produce intimacy with you and another person. But until you're married, avoid it. I'll flee. And your life will be more blessed if you do so. Now, here's, here's what I also know. There are some of you in here who think I'm crazy. There are some of you in here who think, Todd, you're the preacher. What else are you going to say? Todd, this is the Bible stuff, and this is what, you know, you, you, you had to say this because, well, because God's kind of a fuddy-duddy, and you got to be a fuddy-duddy. And look, this is old school. This is, you, you, the times have moved on. Things have evolved. And I would say, really? 
Have they really evolved? And if you're out there and you're today, you're like, Todd, I'm skeptical. I don't believe it. I don't buy it. I think you do got to kick the tires. I think you got to. I think you got to. I think you got to. I think it's not a big deal. If that's you out here today and you think I'm just, I've lost my bond. I'm a holy roller. Or okay. I, here's all I want you to do. I want you to remember. That's the word I want to leave you with. Just remember. As best you can, remember this moment, remember this sermon. Not because I want an I told you so moment. I don't care about that. That's stupid. What I want you to do is remember. And when you get down the road and you have some experiences and you have some baggage and then all this. Because like, why was it that when we were dating, everything seemed so good and it was hot and it was heavy and everything was perfect. and It was smoking. It was good. And then like six months after we're married, this is that's not the same. What happened? Why is it different? Why? I want you to remember. Where's my word remember? I need a word remember right there. Um, remember, that, that's the word you, I want you to carry with you. When you engage in, in, in that and it begins to complicate your life, I want you to remember. Not because I want to tell you so and then have that hang over your head. No, no, no. Because I want you to do this, and this is for all of us in this room, who have crossed those lines. Who said, man, I didn't know any better. Mom said it was okay, as long as it was safe, as long as we loved each other, and I bought the lie, and I bought the twist, and I did a lot of bad things, and I, you know, listen, this isn't just for before sex, uh, or, or before marriage, this is about people who engage in stuff while they're married, it, it all applies, here's the word I want you to remember, and this is the word, repent. Oh, by the way, this is, this is a great word, this word has gotten a bad rap in the church, because of like, angry preachers. This word is fantastic because you know what it means? It means that God has created a pathway for you to come back always. How awesome is that? You mean, God, I can, I can mess up and make mistakes and, and, and blow up the preacher, but when, when, but when it all comes and clicks together and I know that I need God and I know that I'm a little bit lost without him, I can come back? Even when I, t- I thought the preacher was stupid, yeah, yeah you can come back. Passive appreciation, by the way. Just throw in I want you to repent. I want you just to make a turn, to make a change, to make a mental shift and say, you know what? I, I recognize now the Bible was right. It was written thousands of years ago. And you think I could blow the dust off this thing at my house because it has never been used. But bless God, this stuff works. It, 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 what God had to say about sex so seemed to go back far in history and go far into the future. And it, it never got old. It never got irrelevant. It was so applicable today like it was. It was written 2000 years ago. This stuff will work. Listen to me, because why? Because God, I don't know if you know this, God is incredibly wise. That might even be an understatement. Let's put it like this. God is all-knowing. So he knows. He knows what would be best for you. He knows what would produce the best outcomes for your life. He knows what would actually create the most amount of joy and happiness and satisfaction in your life. All you have to do is trust that Father knows best. Because here's what I've learned, is that all of God's commands, they're not restrictive in nature. They're not meant to say no because I said so. That's what we say as parents sometimes. We don't want to give a reason. Or we don't have one. God does not operate like that. God's commands are not restrictive in nature. God's commands are protective in nature. God's not trying to keep you from something amazing. God is trying to set you up for something incredible if you'll do it his way. And so if you've crossed, and some of you, as couples, repent. Just get together and say, God, we were wrong. We didn't know. We, we didn't have the willpower or the self-discipline or the support. We, we, we didn't do it. And we didn't do it right. So, God, we come to you and we ask God, would you please forgive? And would you please help us to make a turn? Because here's what, what a radical notion. How many of you, and I, I don't want to do a raise of hands here. How many of you, though, would say, man, if I could have that for my children? 
If I could keep my daughter, if I could keep my son from avoiding the mistakes that I made, how do you think that's going to happen unless you repent and begin to implement these truths into your own life and into the life of your home and into the life of your family? How awesome would it be? Because here's the deal. I don't think I'm going to change culture. I don't know that you're going to change culture. So you're going to have to fight culture. And you're going to have to do everything you can to help make sure that you expose your children to the truth. So they don't buy into the lie. And again, the twist was this, if you could put it back up. The twist was this. And remember, it's subtle and it comes in so many different forms. There's a twist and the twist is, it's just physical. That's it. It's an activity. There's a benefit. There's, you got to kick the tires. Everybody's doing it. There's all kinds of twists. I can't even name them all. But the truth was real simple. The truth is this, is that purity paves the way to intimacy. Last scripture, and I'll just read and we'll close with this. Maybe this is the why. Verse number 20 of 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Well, why? Well, because you were bought at a price. Like your life was ransomed by Jesus' death on the cross. Your life is incredibly valuable to him. He loves you. You're valuable. And he never wants to see you do destructive things or have your life destroyed. He wants to see your life, but God loves you. Therefore, honor God with your body. Now that's a weird scripture. We hear anything stuff like honor God with your life, honor God with your thoughts, honor God with your money, honor God with your time, honor God. <laughs> what if you honored God with your body? I'm telling you that God is not trying to keep you from anything. God is trying to set you up for something incredible. And when you live in God's ways, you will have the best life possible. Let's pray this morning. So, Father, there's so many of us in here today, and we come from all different places. Some of us are young, and this is a high temptation right now. God, strengthen us. Strengthen our conviction. God, let the truth so saturate our mind that anything that doesn't line up with your truth looks foreign. Father, for those of us who've crossed those lines and made those mistakes and done those things, God, we, we pray, God, that we would repent. God, for those of us who are resisting now, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to challenge and work, God, that they would wrestle with what we talked about today. God, I pray over everybody in here, God, that they would find healing for any past mistakes that they have made, God, for any, for any missteps, for any paths that they went down. God, I pray that they would find healing, that marriages would be restored, that intimacy would grow. And so, God, I pray that you would do wonders. I pray that you would do miracles. I pray that you would do amazing things in our lives. God, help us to honor you with our whole life. But, God, help us to honor you with our body. Lord, that is our prayer today in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. You got enough to give God a big hand clap in this place?